Hi everyone and welcome back to the Mental Health Scoop, the show that discusses prevalent issues in our daily lives and how we can overcome them. So today we're going to be highlighting some really interesting points um, and I think it's something that's never really discussed um, and that would be the impact that COVID has on student nurses and the staff, so the lecturers. You know, those who know how important in-person learning and placements are and due to COVID this whole aspect of learning has been really disrupted. And I guess it also links to teaching because, you know, school placements have also been really affected by it. So we're going to be talking to um, a student mental health nurse, Claire Dunn, about her role and how this particular type of nursing has been impacted by COVID, also with some advice for those in the same position. Um, then joining us is the lovely Deirdre O'Neill, who um, was a past staff mental health nurse and is now a senior lecturer at Queen's, sharing some of her expertise, past experiences and advice on how to maintain a healthy mindset and well-being. So I'm now going to introduce you to Claire. Okay, so now I'm joined with Claire. Claire, do you want to introduce yourself a little bit for yourself? Hi, yeah, I'm Claire and I'm a second year mental health nursing student at Queen's. Okay, so now we're going to talk a little bit about the NHS and trying to raise awareness for what goes behind what we know already. So, um, you know, Claire, what was it that interested you about mental health nursing? You know, like that's actually a question which I get asked quite a lot, you know, even on placement and things. And I think really part of it is because I am only 20. So I went straight from doing my A-levels in school to university. So I'm actually one of the younger people on my course. Um, nursing really consists of a lot of mature students and a lot of students who have perhaps part, embarked on a different career or degree before deciding to study nursing. So, you know, for me, I think growing up, I've always, you know, admired nurses for their, you know, amazing hard work, compassion, dedication. And I think a lot of that came from my mum, who's been a nurse for over 30 years. And so it has really been inspiring to watch her progress throughout her career. And it really gave me an insight into nursing. But I think a lot of my curiosity for mental health nursing in particular stemmed from whenever my granda was living with dementia. And I was quite young at the time, but I do remember, you know, going to visit him when he was in a dementia intensive care unit and just thinking to myself, you know, how has this disease made him forget who we all are? How has it had the power to take his speech, his mobility and ultimately the power as well to take a part of Granda, you know, from us all? So from this point, I think it sparked the question of, you know, why do we become unwell? And, you know, how has our brains the ability to form illnesses and diseases and how they can manifest without you necessarily physically seeing that manifestation. And, you know, we all have mental health and I'm sure I can speak for everyone when I say that we have all had days when our mental health hasn't been too good and likewise with our physical health. And so, you know, I think I'm just really passionate about helping people who are facing challenges with their mental health, as well as emphasising the importance of both physical and mental health, because both do coexist together. Yet, of course, as we all know, that stigma still remains attached to mental health. And this is something that does need to change. Yeah, exactly. And that's why I wanted you to join today. Just, you know, we are here to raise awareness for mental health and you see it every single day in many different forms, Claire. And it can be quite interesting because a lot of people have different opinions about it. And, you know, there's people that say, like, I could never do mental health nursing. So, like, I don't think really many people know what it actually entails. So I think it's really important that we do try and cover that today. And, you know, what would a normal a normal day of, you know, being a nursing student um, be for you? Well, you know, I think, first of all, I think that it's important to say that nursing, you know, it really is a full-time course. You know, every student, especially at the moment, are facing challenges and difficulties due to COVID. But I do think that student nurses face unique challenges and difficulties, you know, which differ from other students. So really, sort of, the undergrad course at Queen's is a three-year course, which is made up of 50% theory and 50% practical work. So, for example, 
we could be in uni for say you know six weeks and that six weeks can consist of your lectures your seminars your practical classes your exams your assignments whatever it may be and then we will go out on placement for say you know another six weeks so the three years is really a cycle of being in uni and then going out on placement but those placement hours are full-time hours and you know you'll work through the likes of holidays you'll work through the likes of summer and I think it's 37.5 hours a week, I think. Um, but again, full-time hours, this isn't paid. And on top of that, then, you know, we are completing assignments. We are meeting deadlines. We're doing exams like every other student at university alongside attempting to get by financially because placement isn't paid. So, you know, although nursing students will get a bursary of £430 a month, you know, this is hard because you will have rent to pay or food to buy or a family to provide for. You know, everybody has different circumstances, but this amount is difficult and is not sufficient to survive on. Therefore, most people, including myself, are trying to juggle things like uni work, placement, part-time job, and then trying to see friends and family and maintain that social life, which of course we all know is needed for our own mental health. But whenever you combine all these factors collectively, you know, they really do and they can generate that additional stress and worry. Yeah, I would agree so. And and especially because of the current situation we're in at the minute and um, with COVID, I know obviously the NHS has been impacted the most. So, you know, have you seen any changes? Like, has this affected your placement or and at the hospitals? Like, what kind of changes have you encountered? Yeah, definitely. You know, I think it's impacted every student nurse's placement and essentially our learning opportunities as well. You know, for example, if you take a community setting in mental health, you know, it has been massively impacted um, because most settings are limiting their visits to people's homes due to COVID. Therefore, interactions are taking place on the likes of Zoom, which can be really difficult because you aren't getting that entire holistic picture as you are limited to what you can observe in terms of completing a biopsychosocial assessment. So, for example, you might not be able to detect changes in their body language in the patient's appearance and assess their functionality in their own homes. Therefore, I think, you know, it can be more difficult to build that therapeutic relationship via the online platforms. And it can ultimately compromise communication skills for the nurse, student, nurse and patient. If you take your inpatient wards as well within mental health, I do think every ward has faced so many challenges and they are stressful environments at the minute or more stressful than before because of COVID. And I do think that every student nurse at the moment can vouch and say that the supernumerary status really can't exist for us at the moment. Again, because of COVID, it's definitely changed the way that we can communicate how we bond with patients because of wearing the likes of PPE. So that patient may have never seen your face. And again, it's impacting the communication we have with our patients because they can't see our non-verbal forms of communication, such as, you know, the likes of smiling, which, of course, can be so reassuring for patients at times. And, you know, I think learning's also been impacted through, say, for example, the limitations on the number of people allowed in rooms for your multidisciplinary team meetings or your discharge meetings, etc. And therefore, if students really can't be included in those meetings because the room is at its capacity, then we aren't getting to see and contribute alongside other professionals, which, of course, is so important because we're all working collaboratively with one another to achieve that best quality of care for the patient. And, you know, I think that one of the hardest things for anybody working in the wards at the moment is definitely seeing that loss of human interaction for patients because of restricted visiting and how this has impacted them not being able to see family, friends, loved ones. And I think as well, you know, if you consider that patients on mental health wards are already facing extreme challenges with regards to their mental health, you know, then you add the protocols regarding COVID on top of that. So, for example, it's literally like having to be swabbed isolate then until that swab comes back then obviously if they test positive for COVID or having to isolate for an extended period of time 
then, you know, this is obviously so difficult for any person as you lose that essential social interaction, which we all need to get by. But if you have someone who's, for example, living with the likes of depression, experiencing thoughts of life not worth living, someone experiencing psychosis or any other mental health condition, I think you can really appreciate just how difficult this must be for, for both the patient and the nurse or student nurse. However, you know, I do think it's important to sort of say that it's definitely been a learning opportunity that literally nobody ever anticipated. You know, I think I was kind of middle of first year whenever, you know, wearing PPE became the new norm and probably will be for a good chunk of the rest of my three years as student nurse. So to see, you know, how much weight as student nurses have had to adapt alongside other healthcare professionals, as well as well as the patients, of course, you know, has been really inspiring. And it's been so great as well to see how everybody does support each other, how we adapt, how we work together. And I think it has really emphasised the importance of teamwork and the necessity of that practical and emotional support, which everybody working within the NHS needs more than ever at the moment. Yeah, definitely. And as you said, you know, that whole social impact, like the limitations of visits, like it's it's really, really hard for the patients, especially with people, you know, that need that kind of extra support from their family. And that really is a big part of the recovery process. So the fact that that's been cut must be so difficult for them. And obviously for you as nurses to see. And, you know, how have you kind of coped with and even managed the kind of pressures that these new added pressures um, to your placement and your job? For me, I think honestly, talking to friends and family is something which helps me so much because, you know, there are days where you do find it really difficult to switch off after placement. And I'm so lucky to have such a good support network, you know, around me. And if I've ever had a stressful day on placement or I'm feeling overwhelmed with uni work, assignments, whatever it may be, I know that I have people around me that I can speak to. And I'm so, so grateful for it. And, you know, having that debrief at the end of the day and having someone there who doesn't necessarily do anything apart from listen, you know, it does help me so much just to manage any sort of stress and feeling and you know I think that the work-life balance can be so difficult and stressful to maintain in itself so I always make sure I do something for myself you know nearly every day you know that's so individualized so for me that is going out for a walk listening to a wee podcast because I know that that's something which works for me and I know that it really helps me to take a step back from things that are going on and I know that Georgie is going to speak you know a lot about self-care and even things that we've been doing in the school of nursing um later on in the podcast, um, you know, which really sort of emphasise the importance of self-care and what we can do in order to maintain our mental and our physical well-being. And, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean, you know, face masks and bubble baths, even, you know, though that is lovely and stuff, you know, even if that thing is watching an episode of, you know, a series that you're watching, going on one of your favourite walks or reading a chapter of that book, you know, it's so personalised, it's so individualised for each person. But whatever that thing might be that you do, it's so vital in helping to manage that stress and maintain your physical and your mental well-being. And, you know, I would really would encourage anyone to speak to a friend or loved one, whoever it may be, if you are finding things difficult or you are stressed because it is such a difficult time at the minute. And we, I think we all really need to lower our expectations of ourselves. And, you know, there are great resources out there, which, again, Dirge will explain and elaborate on a wee bit more later on in the podcast. But I think, you know, it's important just for people to know that you actually are never, ever alone. And there will always be somebody out there who will listen to you and who will support you. Yeah, it's so important to, you know, release that pressure off yourself, as you said, and, you know, appreciate what, you know, the things that you have adjusted to and the pre appreciate the things you can do. And yeah, again, just making the most of all the family you have around you. And it's definitely helped me um, and, you know, kind of coping with what's going on at the minute, definitely. And do you think, you know, you have any particular qualities that, you know, help you care for these kind of patients? Um. 
I would say, you know, I'm a good listener. You know, I love talking to patients and I think you develop both your verbal and your nonverbal communication skills as you progress throughout the course and throughout your nursing career. You know, I do think listening is one of the most important forms of communication. Sometimes patients will just want to speak to you privately, feel like they can confide in you, that you aren't judging them. And they just really appreciate you just sitting back there, you know, and listening to them. But, you know, other qualities which are also important are, you know, the ability to show compassion, to show care, to show empathy. These are all vital um, in helping to build that nurse-patient relationship. Um, and I don't think, you know, anybody goes into nursing thinking that they have all the qualities that make a brilliant nurse or that they're necessarily prepared for the course. You know, I think the course is what really helps to prepare you. And even thinking back to whenever I started first year and the skills and qualities which I've developed develop since then, it is really motivating um, and it shows just how much you're learning both in uni and of course out in clinical practice. Yeah and obviously you said as well that you know in comparison to some other students you work with you know you are like quite young normally they would be like quite mature students they've already done um, completed other nursing courses what kind of advice would you give for people considering mental health nursing if you know with a similar age or even just thinking about going into it? I'd say honestly go for it you know it will definitely probably be one of the hardest things that you'll ever do and it's proven to be one of the most challenging things that I've ever done but it's also the most rewarding thing you know there will be days that are tough both mentally and physically you know you will doubt yourself you'll probably rethink honestly why did I ever apply to do nursing but then you know something will happen on placement or someone will say something or you'll help someone even in the smallest wee way and it really will remind you why you're doing it. And I know maybe I haven't properly sold it with what I said in the podcast, you know, with the stress, obviously, that we're all under at the moment and that nurses are under. I think we're all so aware of that. But COVID or no COVID, you know, I genuinely couldn't imagine myself doing anything else. Um, and I really think that it helps when you have that passion and enjoyment for what you do, because, you know, it makes it so worthwhile. And I'd say, you know, research a wee bit more into it. You know, if you know somebody who's a mental health nurse, speak to them, anybody studying nursing, just to sort of speak to them and find out, you know, what it might be like, you know, what it is expected of you. Because as I said before, it is a full-time course, you know, it will be hard work, but it's a degree which really will leave you with so many career and travel opportunities because of the versatile nature of the course. And, you know, the friends that you make in your three years, honestly, will be your friends for life. And it's so lovely because you're all going through these three years together. You're overcoming the pressures of uni, of placement together, and you are really just supporting each other. So I think I'd say go for it. You know, you're never too young, you're never too old. It will be hard work, but hopefully it will be so rewarding. And honestly, you'll meet so many incredible people along the way. Yeah, that you've perfectly summed it up. And, you know, your job is, you know, a part, like something you're so passionate about, Claire. And I suppose you, you're just learning something every single day. And you have had to adjust to a lot because of COVID and everything. But it's really important. You know, I'm so glad that we had you today just to be able to talk about, you know, the changes you've had to adjust to, but also what goes on in mental health nursing, because it is something, you know, maybe people don't know that much about. But we're now joined with Deirdre. And Deirdre will talk a little bit about what kind of things she's experienced um, as she's been a bit of a more mature um nursing student she's experienced more things so we're going to have a wee chat to her now. Hey Deirdre how are you? Hello Neve. how are so, you keeping? I'm good Deirdre we just spoke to Claire obviously one of your favourite students but <laughs> and um, we are we were just talking about you know her experience as student nurse and do you want to explain a little bit about your background and you know what kind of experience you've had as a, a student nurse through Queen's or a, a nurse through a mental health nurse through Queen's? So yes, Neve. so yes, I was actually a student nurse in Queen's many years ago myself as well. So I did my diploma and my degree through Queen's University. And I also did all of my postgrad 
qualifications through Queen's as well. So myself and my colleague Monica, we, we kind of have a bit of a laugh and say that Queen's half artist because we've spent so much time constantly um, learning and developing. And then, yeah, having a job here in Queen's as well, which has kind of just been the, the icing on the cake for, for a lot of us lecturers. So whenever I qualified in Queen's, which was maybe back in 2001, I took up a post in China Adolescent Inpatient Unit in Belfast. So I worked there for a number of years, developed a great interest in early intervention and prevention of mental illness. And you could really see very early on how a child could develop a mental illness and it become quite chronic as, as, they, as they grow older, even into um, later adolescence and adulthood. So I was always very interested in how does a mental illness develop in such a young child and how, what, what, how does it manifest what are the presentations and what can we be doing as a mental health community in order to help prevent prevent that as well? So, so that was that has been my my general interest. So after that, I then was working as a primary mental health worker, and that I felt that that really got me involved in looking at that early intervention because at that stage we we were working with young people who present with mild to moderate mental illness, and you could really see if you had the means of early intervention, how you could then help people recover very, very quickly from that period of the time where they were experiencing that and the families as well. Then um, following that, I took up a post as a special practitioner, again, in child adolescent mental health services. And then before I came to Queen's, I was working as a family nurse in family nurse partnership. So that was a really, really interesting job. Um, Nave, it was, it was quite exceptional because we were working with young, young, um, young mothers who were first time mothers and they were teenagers as well. So we accepted mothers who were under the age of 20 onto our programme and we worked with them for two and a half years. So you really did become part of the family because all of the visits were in, in the person's home. 100% of the visit was in the person's home. You got to know the mother, you got to know the partners, you got to know the family, the aunts, the uncles, the, the neighbours, the cousins. Um, it was very much a very family led um, uh, project as well. So then after that, I um I got a, a great interest. I really wanted to, I suppose, influence the workforce. I felt that I had a lot of knowledge, um, a lot of experience. And I always loved the idea of, of educating and teaching. I loved whenever we we had student nurses, whenever we were mentors ourselves as nurses, you know, just, just having that experience and being able to help young nurses come come through their careers as well. The other thing that I was that is probably quite different from nursing to other degrees in Queens is that a lot of our nurses are coming from they've already maybe had previous degrees before, and um, they're maybe uh, married, they've got children, maybe not married, but you know the, the, we've got a, a very wide range of people who come into nursing, which is really quite exciting too. I remember speaking to people who have maybe worked in years in in different professions, teachers. I remember there was there was this one nurse who I was talking to and she was a teacher and she just decided one day that she wanted to come into nursing. And I just applaud people for being able to make those very difficult decisions. They have to be very, very brave to take that on because I'm sure as Claire knows herself, um, nursing is a very demanding career. It's a profession. So not only are we coming out from our we come out with a degree, but we also come out with, with a recognition from, from a professional body as well. So it does come, whenever you've got that, it does come along a lot of responsibility too. So that has been my career to date, Neef, um, and I'm working now almost three years in Queen's as a lecturer in mental health. So I work um, mostly with the year two 
cohort, but I also would um, coordinate modules along with Janine Stockdale in the master's prenatal mental health. So it's a standalone or people can do it alongside their master's as well. And I also coordinate another module at postgrad level, and that's understanding and work with people who, who self-harm. So um, it just goes to show you the wide variety of courses that are available for people after they qualify as well within Queen's. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so many opportunities. But it's also the fact that you said uh, you mentioned there about family nursing. You know, like Claire can probably relate to me. My mom's a health visitor. Um, so mm-hmm. so with Claire's and you know, uh-huh. there's a lot of challenges that come with that emotionally for yourself, because, you know, as you said, it's lovely to be able to connect to these families on a deeper level. But it's also hard to see them struggle. And, you know, it can be hard to, you know, bring it home and, you know, try and forget about it, leave work at work, as you say. But, um, you know, with any film, it can be hard, you know, as I said just whenever they're suffering um, and it can be quite draining for yourself so what kind of things did you practice yourself in order to build strength mentally and physically for this type of job? Just like you'd mentioned there Neve, it, it can be very difficult to watch families struggle and one thing that nurses find there's a natural instinct to want to fix we want we want to fix we want to take away that distress that that person's experiencing we want to fix or help to fix the situation that maybe that they're living in there's a lot of families that um that are living in, in poverty as well. So there's there's a lot of wanting to, to help. And with that does come alongside that that whole emotional aspect of wanting to to fix and, and take away people's distress. But very often it's not always the right thing to do is to come in and fix people's um particular situations. Very often what's what is more important is helping families and people be able to do that themselves so that you are walking along the journey with them. You're there as, as a companion walking along the journey with them, but you're not fixing all the time because not everybody wants you to come in and offer them advice or fix. So most of the time, people just want you to come in and listen and hear their distress at that moment in time. And it's not a case of coming in and saying, well, I think you should do this or I think you should do that or I think something else should happen or I'm going to give you this or, or give you that. It's very important for a person to be able to have that instinctively to be able to do that themselves because unfortunately with life it's throughout our life we will have obstacles come our way and we want to have that inner strength and that inner ability to be able to to reach within ourselves and to have that their empowerment that we we know we've got this idea and we've got this fixed idea that I know this is a very difficult situation but I know that I I have have I have the inner strength to be able to get through this situation and use all the resources that I have myself but just to answer your question, Neve, um, what did I do? I, I thought I, I think it's very important to have um, boundaries, professional boundaries. It's really, really important to know, and for the people who you're you're working with, what what are your boundaries? What can you do for for a person, but what can you not do for a person as well? And I found that there was very simple things that I used to do. So, for example, I would make sure that my work diary stayed in work. I would make sure that anything that was related to work stayed in, in, the, in the work environment. My mobile phone that I used, um, I made very clear guidelines for people what, what the use was for that, you know, that I would be able to respond either that day or the next day, but my phone was switched off at five o'clock. And I think it was more important for me to be able to do that for my children because it was really, really crucial for them to be able to see that once mummy's home, mummy's mummy you know she's not a family nurse or she's not the nurse that's looking after people that that she does all day now there was times Nave, that I struggled with that there was times where I would have had the laptop opened and my kids would have to come in and close it 
and that was their cue to say um you've done enough now that this is it and i think that part of our job and our, our role as nurses is that we 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 do have this this passion we we are very compassionate people but unfortunately unless we do look after ourselves in, in this environment we won't be able to continue to offer that compassionate care i think that's when sometimes people do get burnt out you know they talk about burnout if that's if that's the right terminology to use but people do get very very much burnt out and that's something that I'm always very aware of whenever I'm talking to student nurses they'll always hear me talking about looking after themselves because not only is it for your own personal development but for your professional development as well it's really really important that you're fit to do the job that you've been asked to do so those those are the kind of key things that I would say is just try to get those boundaries work boundaries and your personal boundaries which is not easy whenever you're working from home because everything is just now molded into the one environment. Definitely. Um, I suppose, you know, because you kind of see, like you are working with these kind of people and it is really important. You have to make that disconnection. But I was actually, in my last interview, I was talking to an athlete and it would be kind of the same situation. He said it's really important because, you know, his passion, something that he's passionate about is his job. And that's the same for nurses. You know, they're passionate about their work. But he said, it's really important that you look after yourself first because you can do the best and strive and, you know, have a better performance because you're looking after yourself. So that is really important. I suppose you teach that a lot for your students and um, it's really important to put themselves first and you know that will better their role and I suppose you know there's also this new added pressure with COVID and everything like that you know have you how have you kind of dealt with that as you said you know what you are trying to it's kind of like mold it into the one um, especially because you're working from home. So yeah that is an extra pressure Neve. so it is it's 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 a, a massive pressure for everybody and I think that Probably what we're finding now is that there are a lot of individuals who are nearly presenting with what you would nearly describe as like a low level anxiety because everybody now has that sense of uncertainty. Everybody now has that sense of instability. They don't know what the future is, what it's going to look like. And there's a lot of questions that are unanswered for people. There's a lot of isolation, a lot of loneliness that people are experiencing as well. And I think for students, at this moment in time, that's probably one thing that they're struggling with is that sense of isolation, not being able to have that peer interaction, which they really do rely on. You know, even as a colleague, I know that we relate on those down the corridor conversations with, with our colleagues, wanting to run something past them or a bit of banter, a bit of just, just that social interaction that you so, as human beings, that is what we desire, it's what we need. And I have probably tried to make sure that the students are connecting with ourselves as best as we possibly can. One of the things that we did do, do during the um, whatever the pandemic around March time, Neve, we were asked by the head of school and the director of education to ensure that we were putting extra layers as much as possible for the support for students. So we know that our student nurses are getting really well supported out in, out in placement out in their practice environments. We do have really, really good relationships with our practice partners as well. But one thing that we did then to add onto that there, we developed what was now known as QB Connections. So we came up with the name. We thought, well, it is about Queens and our practice partners and our students and all of our lecturers being able to connect with each other. One of the roles that we weren't able to fulfill was our link lecture role. So we physically used to go out to the wards to the community settings and visit our students. And that was a really, really good opportunity to find out if there was any problems, get in there early on, help resolve any issues that a, that a student was having. It could have been something as simple as 
maybe there was something to do with them traveling to the, the, the placement that they were having problems with that. Um, there's lots of different problems that sometimes students do experience. So we found with the QB Connections that it was another opportunity for students to be able to come on, tell us what the problems were, and then we, we could help them. And again, Neve, it wasn't us fixing things or giving them solutions to the problems, because what we often found was students are very good at being able to help each other throughout those problems. So what we found, we were facilitating sessions, but the students were coming up with solutions themselves and they were saying, well, I experienced that my last placement and this is what I had to do. And it was so powerful. You could actually see then that the students felt, oh, they felt that they owned this QB connections, that they felt that they were part of this network as well. But most importantly, they felt that they were helping each other. There was a sense of relief for them. We had tears. We had people who come on, they were very, very tearful, very emotional. We had students at times who weren't able to go out onto placement. They had to pause their program because maybe they were shading themselves or they had current responsibilities. And that, that had a major impact on our student body as well, because all of a sudden they weren't part of this going out into, into, into practice, into placement. And that was, that was very detrimental to some of the students, but they got great comfort from QB Connections, being able to come on, talk to each other, talk to their peers, realise that they weren't the only people going through this experience. That's one thing that you do find from the students as well is that they'll say it's such a relief to know that I'm not on my own, that there's other people experiencing this as well, because you often wonder what other avenues do they have to be able to communicate that confidently to their peer groups. So it is a confidential space that the students can come on. We're now running it Monday to Friday. Every cohort is, has got a dedicated day and they've got a dedicated time. So we have two um two lectures and staff members who would facilitate those sessions and allow the students to come on and talk about whatever worries or concerns. The other thing about it too is very important is that it's not just about sharing problems, it's about sharing good positive experiences that the students are having out in placement as well. You know, we do have a bit of a joke, a bit of a banter. It's lighthearted. Um, we encourage them to go get, get yourself a cup of coffee, get yourself a cup of tea and just come in and, and you know have this here. And we don't ask everybody if people just want to come in and listen. And in the background, that's perfectly fine as well. Yeah, that's a really valuable resource because, you know, you know, it, the placement is for practice. And I suppose they're not getting you're not getting that full element of, you know, working as a team, especially with nurses being all about teamwork, you know, in really stressful situations, you all have to work together. And I suppose if you're not if you're not really getting the full, you know, ounce of that kind of practice, it can be stressful. Do you find that, Claire, like whenever you're, um, you know, you, you're missing that kind of element? You know, I think we're all really missing that element of being in uni and as Georgie had said, you know, being with our fellow, you know, nursing students and even, you know, speaking to the lecturers after a class, you know, if you did have any concerns or you could just easily kind of voice that in your tutorial groups or whatever it may be. But because, you know, of COVID, we are all at home. And I think, you know, everybody has had that element of, you know, feeling isolated and maybe feeling that, you know, it is actually harder at the minute to kind of voice, you know, any sort of struggles that you are experiencing and things. So I think, you know, the QB connections, as Georgie had said, it is lighthearted. You do get that, you know, crack and stuff that you are missing out in uni. You know, it is just like a wee lighthearted conversation as well, obviously, on a more serious note, if there are any concerns or if you are finding things difficult or you are feeling overwhelmed, you know, that platform is there and it's in place like for you. Um, but just having that sort of connection and that um you know, element of communication with both your fellow nursing students and your lecturers, you know, it is really sort of 
great at the moment because there's not much of that at the minute obviously with lockdown and things and I think you know that has been restored um through the connections group definitely yeah exactly and we sorry do you want to go ahead there Deirdre? the other thing that we, we we started as well and Claire would be able to talk about this we started up a walking challenge oh. so got, yeah it's been great fun this is our second week so it is nice and it has been great fun because what we've noticed is that people actually do get quite competitive whenever we do things like this um and you can see that it has I feel that it has brought a bit of a a bounce to people's step for for want of a better way of describing it you can just see that it's another way of us being able to connect with each other so our walking challenge starts on a Monday morning and it finishes on a Wednesday and we've got three teams so we are in competition with each other to see which team actually is placed first so we are going to be doing this over the next few weeks. And not only is it really good for that sense of um, togetherness and, and connection as well, but it's another way for people to be able to monitor their own health, you know, looking after their physical health, their mental health, how is this actually making me feel? It really is pushing people to come out of their comfort zone. Like it definitely pushed me last week. I was walking whenever I would never, ever have to set a go out for a walk because I knew how to log my steps and I was in competition with the other group. So it's been it's been good fun. Definitely. And I suppose we actually, in psychology, we did um, we sent, out, sent out a questionnaire and it was on the well-being of students at Queen's. And we did find that everyone is saying that their activity has decreased, but they agree that this increase in activity would help them because obviously anxiety and, you know, forms of depression have really sparked. And um, in this questionnaire, particularly it showed that within students and because it's really down to the pandemic and, you know, the, the adjustments they have to, people have to make, it can be stressful. Um, and sometimes maybe people feel like it's out of control and they can't really control what's going on and they don't really know they worry about the future and things like that. So I think that's really important that you have something to, you know, you can all work together and that's sort of, again having a wee bit of teamwork because they're all working together in a team because these are you know keeping in contact and comparing your results and things like that so that's really 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 good thing to do you know it'd be something that we could we should look at for our own course but um do you think you know self-care you're very you are very strong about that Deirdre and um, within students do you have you know any advice for how you know people can take that on in their own homes what I would say, Neve, is I think it's really, really important that people have a good understanding of themselves, you know, that they know what are what are what are my own personal triggers? How do I know that maybe my, my mood's not as good as what it should be? How do I know that I'm experiencing some anxiety as well? Because what we want to avoid is um, students hitting a crisis point where they have kept on going, managing their anxiety, trying to manage low mood, and then hit a crisis point where they're, they're, they're no longer able to keep going the way that they, they should be or that they want to be. And I think as a nurse, that's really important for you to be able to develop so that you have really, really good understanding. What are the triggers? What works for me? How do I know to keep myself well and healthy? What do I know in the past that I've done? And whenever you get those triggers, start to take on those resources that you know has helped. So for example, I particularly noticed that whenever I was out walking last week, I didn't want to go walking, but I felt so good afterwards because I was using all of those natural hormones and increasing all of that as well. And not only did it make me feel physically good, but I felt just like you were saying there, Neve, it's that sense of teamwork. Nurses need to work together as a team. We also need to look after our colleagues. So if we see a colleague, if we see any changes in our colleague, if we happen to notice that our colleague's mood's not as good as what it normally would be, it's actually okay to go and ask somebody, I just happened to notice, um, are you okay? So not only is it looking after ourselves, but look after our team that we're working with too and be confident that it's okay to ask people those questions and that 
people generally won't be offended. People probably have a sense of relief that somebody's actually noticed that they're not doing okay and will want to have those opportunities to open up and talk about that. That, I suppose that is really important you know it's it's all about even throughout any course I know it's really important in nursing but any course anybody that's listening um you know it's really important to even use your use resources like your group chat and you know keep in contact with each other because these are all everyone's experiencing the same kind of thing that all the pressure that everyone's ex- experience is the exact same for everyone else so I think communication is one of the main things that will help with self-care as well and as you said you know getting to know yourself and are, are there any are there any particular services that you could recommend to support any students that are struggling? I would definitely recommend that um, student wellbeing there. They've got some absolutely fantastic mm-hmm. resources. Leave, and we would work very closely with Will Plunkett, who's our he's he's our um, student wellbeing officer. I think it's really important that students are made aware of the referral process that they can refer themselves over to student wellbeing. I would also encourage the students to reach out to their personal tutor as often as they can to keep checking in with their personal tutor, even when things are going well just to have that connection with their personal tutor as well. But definitely student wellbeing are there, they're operating just as normal and they're really, really keen to make sure that people are being seen and that they are being offered the services that are available for them. Other things as well too, um, you know, there's there's lots of good free online resources too, Neve, that the people can tap into just looking at the public health agency have some fantastic free things that people can tap into as well. Just looking at... Um, mindfulness, relaxation techniques, all of those things are really, really good. And that might not suit everybody because everybody knows what would suit themselves. You know, some people prefer yoga, some people prefer going out for walks, um, some people prefer mindfulness. But if people are in crisis or they're concerned about themselves or concerned about another person, it's really, really important that they reach out to the student wellbeing team. I, I also, you know, I, I believe in, you know, meditation and things like that there. It can really, you know, taking yourself out and, you know, from your surroundings and your stresses and just sitting down and sort of relaxing your mind. Um, and even journaling really helps as well, writing down your, like your emotions if you are struggling. I think it helps to like get it out and write it down. So that's one thing that I would practice. But Claire, have you got anything to add that, you know, you sort of use um, to help you calm down? Yeah, I mean, you know, as Georgie had said there, it is so individualised. And I think, you know, I mentioned that earlier on in the podcast that, you know, what works for one person might not actually work for another person. Um, you know, for me, it is getting out for a walk. It is listening to a week podcast and things because I know that it helps me to take a step back from things. And I know how it makes me feel physically and mentally afterwards. But again, that might not suit everybody. The exact same with the likes of meditation might not suit everybody. So I think it's really finding what works for you and um, just, yeah, doing what works for you um, because it will really help to maintain your physical and mental well-being, which is so, so important at this moment in time. Um, especially because of COVID. But um, yeah, it's just looking after yourself is so important. And that's something which I previously maybe wasn't as good as maybe I am at the minute. Um, And it's just taking that time, time every day, you know, switch off your phone, you know, put the laptop down and do something, you know, for yourself, whether that actually be something you know, like walking or whatever, or it could literally just be, you know, reading a chapter of that book that you're reading or watching one of your favourite episodes of like Grey's Anatomy, which I always do. <laughs> you know, it's so individualised, it's so personalised, um, but it's vital in um, maintaining your physical and your mental well-being. 
Yeah, and I think we all have to agree that maybe remaining positive as well, keeping that positive mindset. And as you said, you know, that maybe that Grey's Anatomy episode would help with that. Just something that, you know, lifts your spirits a wee bit because the main thing that will keep us going on, because, you know, this will eventually come to an end and we all have to keep that in mind. You know, if we all keep together, keep positive, keep communicating, you know, get go for a walk. You know, that's just really all we have to do. We just have to, you know, just look after ourselves. And that's one of the really, really important things to do. Does any of you have anything to add to that? I would just like to say, Claire, you just took the words out of my mouth there. So one thing that I would do whenever I know that I'm feeling quite stressed is go to that book that I've been reading. And it's not going to be an academic book. It's not going to be anything to do with nursing. It's going to be a book that I'm really, really enjoying that you could just have that hour, an hour and a half, um, whatever, whenever you can catch that time just, just to do that. And it's really interesting because the people who who surround us will probably know what helps us as well. I got a wee note from one of my daughters and she probably realised that I was working long hours and she could say, she says, mommy, you know, you're getting a wee bit stressed here. I think you should. Why don't we go on to Amazon later on and order you a couple of books? So even my, my children know that that's something that helps de-stress me. They can see that mommy's back out of that stressful environment. So that's the, that really took me back. I was like, oh my goodness, even my children know what helps me as well. So, so yeah, so all of those things that we could do. And I just think we have to lower expectations. We have to just show kindness when we can. Well, we have to help people when we can. We know that whenever we help others, it's actually really good for our own mental health as well. So all of those key things that, that people are doing, just keep on doing them. Try to avoid the more negative ways of coping as well. I know that people probably increase maybe alcohol use. So it's probably probably just reminding people of these are the positive ways of coping and try to avoid those negative aspects as well. Yeah, and that's a lovely way to, you know, add in all them things that people can sort of do. And they're all very easy and at hand. It's just, you know, getting the, the motivation to try and, you know, incorporate them throughout your day. But um, I definitely believe, you know, there there's many things that we can do. We, we all have each other. And this is just a nice wee episode to show that, you know, no matter, you're probably in one of the main stressful jobs at the minute with the COVID and everything, but there's so many ways that we can all work together and stay positive. So thank you both for joining us. It was really great. To, it was a lovely episode. And I'm so excited for um, everyone to hear it. I really, really enjoyed that wee chat with Deirdre and Claire, two extremely passionate people about nursing. Um, which is such a valued profession but particularly now because you know nurses are going above and beyond physically and mentally to help those in need and it's really important that those in any profession care for themselves to keep positive and stay strong you know something that helps overall mental health and is vital for job success and professionalism so we're going to wrap it up there hope everyone is keeping safe and well and i'll see you all next week